And I think what I experienced on a small scale, a generation of young leaders has experienced in mass because yeah. you have so many institutional, whether it's political, governmental, church leaders that have failed yeah. us. Well, hey, everyone, welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation and communication. And wow, we are excited for our guest today, Brian Jarrett. Brian is an author and sought-after speaker with a tremendous passion for global missions with multiple leadership roles. You, uh, you and your wife, Haley, founded Lonesome Dove Ranch, a place of healing and resourcing for abused children and America's small-town past. Brian also serves as the lead pastor of North Place Church in Saxe, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. Correct. And uh, it is so great to have you with us. Thanks for taking time to be on the show. Thank you. It's an honor. You know, I, I want to open our conversation up about uh, your testimony specifically and 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 the ministry at, at North Place uh, Church. It's a place that brings hope and definitely healing to to the hurting, uh, abuse, abandonment, and, and, and addi addiction to find uh, your early life before Christ. And your experiences eventually led you know you to have a tremendous passion for broken people. Tell us a little bit more about the ministry and how it has impacted your life. Well, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Um, very, it's a Christian home, uh, very Southern holiness type of environment, a lot of legalism. I grew up afraid of God. And I rebelled against the strict standards of the codes that I grew up under as a teenage kid, trying to numb pain uh, from sexual abuse, from the abandonment of my father. Uh, I became a teenage alcoholic, an addict, both trying to numb the pain and then rebelling against the strict moral code that was being forced upon me. And, you know, I had this radical encounter with Jesus in my late high school years, unexpected and um, it was it was just an encounter with grace. It was the oddest thing. They were predicting an earthquake to hit Memphis. Uh, and the largest three earthquakes that have ever hit the U.S. have been north of Memphis in the Missouri, like south of mm -hmm. St. Louis. They were eight plus on the Richter scale. Wow. But they were early 1800s. And um, they were sparsely populated. The, they say the uh, Mississippi River literally flowed backwards for an entire day. Wow. In, in like 1811, 1812. Wow. They say it's not a matter of if but when, when that plate sure. shifts again and they thought they had nailed it mm -hmm. and we were doing earthquake drills when I was yeah. in high school and I remember they walked in and were doing one, two, three, one, two, three, the, the emergency folks and mm -hmm. and uh, I was a two or three and whichever one I was was the people that were dead. There were dead, wounded and survivors wow. and they were doing drills based on what you were and I remember laying on that pallet with a blanket over my face playing dead realizing that any minute this could happen and I knew enough to know where I would have spent eternity yeah and it was in that moment more than any sermon uh, I came to reality with my mortality mm -hmm. and shortly after that I had an encounter with Jesus that changed my life um, no male in my family ever graduated high school mm -hmm. uh, no female in my family ever graduated college so I was the first to get a high school degree and then a college degree and obviously a master's and a doctorate which is one of the reason I pursued those things so mm -hmm. I understood poverty um, I understood family dysfunction and so the journey of grace in my life and the leadership that I have pursued has, has been a lot to over 
to, to, to respond to the pain mm -hmm. that I experienced. I grew up, you know, in a rural church. My grandfather was bivocational. Um, he preached three sermons. They were all different texts, but the same three topics, heaven, hell, or the Holy Ghost was mm -hmm. every sermon. It just got there one way or yeah. another. Uh, Sunday school was a flannel board, you know, a little right. lesson that right, stuck right. to a poster. Right. And yeah. There were about three kids, three, three of us in the church under 70, uh, you know, just not right. relevant. And, and so when, when I started ministry, I'm like, if we really have the greatest story ever told, uh, then there's got to be a way. Being small, having right. a small budget right. does not mean that mm -hmm. it has to be this boring. There's got to be a way to engage yeah. people. And so it just became a conviction of mine um, to go after people like the family I grew up in mm -hmm. and, 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 and hope, help them encounter the gospel the way I did and then try to build a church environment. Uh, that was appealing and relevant and engaging to the 21st century culture and not, uh, you know, not uh, undo any of the, the ancient mm -hmm. truths that, that got us to this point. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, the ancient truth does not have to be boring. Right. right. So that's kind of how, you know, we've been at North Place going on 18 years now. Mm -hmm. And so over time, you've been somewhere that long. The values in your heart wind up being embedded in the values of yep. the organization. Right. It's impossible for it not to. And so, you know, I knew I committed early on that if I went after broken people, I would never lack for a place to serve because yeah. the world is full of broken people. And and that's our church is full of them because I'm the pastor. I'm one of them. Sure. And uh, and we're we're beautifully broken is a mm -hmm. phrase we use. We're being remade by grace. And uh and we've got a church full of thousands of people that are beautifully broken people being remade by grace. Yeah, and what I love about your your church, North Place, is how embedded it is in the community. I mean, there's so many from different spheres. We, you know, we met different people on that part of it. How should the church be in relation to the community? I think there's a lot of churches that are, especially through the pandemic, they're wondering, how do we build connections? How do we build bridges? How do we make this, our community, embedded in the physical geographical location that we're at? I mean, I think it's an understanding of what spirit empowerment is all about. When, mm -hmm. when Acts 1-8 says, you will receive power to be my witnesses, it's Jerusalem, home, Judea region, Samaria, the racially charged area nobody mm -hmm. wanted to go to, right. into the uttermost parts of the earth. If there's any group of people on the earth that ought to be reaching communities that are diverse and widespread, it ought to be people who walk in the power of the Spirit. And and so we we have that as a mission. We see mm -hmm. that as a mission to be a reflection of our community. And um, we, we do that practically by looking for ways to serve community. Mm -hmm. And we serve our school systems like we incredibly visual in our school systems. You know, I know it's, it's, it's cliche. We find needs and fill them. But, mm -hmm. you know, we run proms for special needs kids before, mm -hmm. um, you know, Night to Shine became a yeah, big deal. Right, we were yeah. doing proms for special needs kids in our school district. We went and asked them about a prom. They were like, we don't know about that. And they said, but we have this Christmas party for elementary age special needs kids. Mm -hmm. we, we, we don't really have funding. So we said, let's do that. And we yeah. did it, blew it up, started providing Christmas for hundreds hundreds of elementary age kids in school oh, wow. districts in our area that are in special education. Their families are financially strapped because of their challenges. So we provide Christmas for those families. Well, then they said, well, why don't you do a prom? Yeah. You know, this is awesome. So for years, we've been doing those kinds of things. And, yeah. and what I call, this is my phrase for that. It's an embodied apologetic. Yeah. It's, Love it's, it. it's an, it, it, you know, I tell our church before they're ever going to connect to our Christ, they're going to connect to our cause. Yep. And we literally earn our faith the right to be heard mm. by where we show up, consistently showing up and how we serve. And I guess we've just done that so long 
so many places yeah. to so many different people groups. We have an earned relational equity yeah. in our community with our school districts, with people of all different languages and cultures. And when they start looking for a place uh, like post-pandemic, when they want to serve God and want to connect to a local body or they need a pastor, they look us up. Yeah. And, and, and it's stuff, it's street cred we've earned in other places, not what we do on Sundays. Love it. So, so good, yeah. Meeting meeting need oriented issues in in the community, I mean that's that's at the heart of what we do too. I mean we started a, a school of excellence pathway for the school of excellence, which is for special needs students right here on this campus. And yeah, to to see those families have a place where they can come and 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 feel grace and nurturing, and it's just it's a powerful thing. You know, a lot of people are are being called, I, I, and I, we're seeing this, called to lead, um, and and God wants to use them in kingdom ministry, but, but a lot of them struggle with how do you learn how to pinpoint, or how do you learn how to discover the mission, the vision to which you can lead in the way that God wants you to lead? How, how can they start? What are, what are some of the first steps that you would tell young leaders that are sensing this call to, to be a servant leader? How can they step out and begin to grow in that? Well, I'll tell you what I did, and I didn't do this until my mid-30s. Um, I started early in ministry. The Lord blessed, and doors got open for us. I would use the word precocious. We were probably on platforms we weren't really prepared to be mm -hmm. on. We had, you know, I had a gift that got that made a way, and mm -hmm. I was trying to mature into the gift, trying not to let success outwardly outrun the character sure. inwardly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and 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 and. All these people and voices in my life had these ideas of what I ought to be doing with my life. And, and when I hit my mid-30s, I'm like, okay, God, I need you to help me. Mm -hmm. And I think what I did in that moment help, would help anybody. And when I, when I teach and mentor, and you just have to envision this, four circles on a piece of paper. And I call it, for me, I call it GP3 yeah. uh, is what I call it. But the one circle, top left, is gifts. Mm -hmm. uh, the second circle, top right, is past. Bottom left circle is pain. Yeah. And then the bottom right circle is passion. So you got your gifts, your past, your pain, and your passion. And it took me a long time. I mean, a yeah. long time. I didn't just jot some stuff down. I, I process, okay, what was I born to do? What are mm -hmm. the gifts? I Things that come hard for other people that come easy for me. What are things that God wired me to do? And I, and I made a list of those things. And then, okay, where am I from? What kind of family was I born right. into? Who, who, who's my tribe? Who am I equipped? Whether I want to admit it or not, who am I equipped to reach just right. because of who I am? Right. God chose me like, like Paul. You know, he was born a Roman citizen. And there's some, you look through, there were things the gospel was able to, places they were able to make because Paul was able to appeal to his Roman citizenship. Right. There was a divine design mm -hmm. in when Paul was born, where he was born, and it's true for all of us. Yeah. So, so the question is, okay, what is your past? And then, and then the pain, because I really believe pain in our lives uh, reveals something to us about the problems we've been called to solve. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that. And I believe our pain is a passport into other people's brokenness. Yeah. Like um, I say often, God will take the seeds of today's sorrow in your life and he will plant them in somebody else's tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, because the purpose of your life is often shaped by the pain you've experienced. Sometimes it's righteous indignation. Sometimes it's the fuel, yeah. the injustices that have been committed against you that become the fuel. So you need to spend some time 
about your, your pain yep. and then your passions. You know, what makes you laugh? What makes you yep. cry? What keeps you up at night? What makes you angry? And then if you could push those four circles together, find where those four overlap yeah. and spend the rest of your life in those overlapping moments, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'll be the most effective leader. Mm -hmm. You will inspire people with your life because you're, 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 you're functioning in the area of your greatest giftedness, your yeah. greatest calling. So I didn't do that. I struggled and was influenced by a lot of people along the way and lived with a lot of, uh, maybe I ought to do this, maybe mm -hmm. I ought to do this. And thank God I stayed the path I should have stayed. But I've been relieved from a lot of, of undue burden in, er, early on in my mid-30s about how I was going to spend the rest of my life because I went through that process. And I found three things coming out of that that God wired me to do. And, and I'm going to invest in brokenhearted people, especially brokenhearted kids. I was one of those. Um, I'm going to uh, invest in under-resourced leaders. Mm. Uh, I grew up in a rural church, and I feel like not just and, and I serve under-resourced leaders from the jungles of India to you know the global movement. Right. I just have sure, a heart sure. for called but ill-equipped leaders, and right. so I want to serve that some way. And then third, I believe in global mission. Mm. I want to be involved in covering the earth with the glory of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like in that study for me that I needed to do it tethered to the platform of a local church, that uh, for whatever reason, being a pastor is the assignment of my life. And mm -hmm. and maybe not always, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to step out of the limelight every day to day to day in 10 to 12 years and mm -hmm. champion some younger leaders, but stay tethered and connected to the local yeah. church. So that's just what I discovered in my early 30s, and it's freed me to do less better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I often say, uh, I heard it. I could. I don't know who to give this credit to. It's a, not original to me that what you say no to will define your life more than what you say yes to. Mm. Yeah. It, in a world of infinite opportunity, yeah. Yeah. what you say no to will define your life more than what you say yes to. And going through that process helped me um, say no. I have a hard time saying no. I just want to see people changed. Right. You know, right. I just want to. Yes. I want to be anywhere God's moving. Yes. Right. And before long, you can spread yourself so thin you're not effective anywhere. Mm -hmm. So that process helped me narrow down where my sweet spot is. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. That's so powerful. you know, if you've got, if you're talking to a leader, right, and they come to you and they say, "Hey, I've got, feel like I've got all these options." You walk them through this matrix and stuff. How do they know that something that they're doing is in alignment with what you've outlined? Like it how is how to, or isn't? Okay. Uh, are yeah. you asking me? Yeah. How, how do they know? How do they discern? How do they eliminate the options using kind of the framework that you've, that you've outlined? Do they, do they fit in more than one circle? The, yeah. it, it, there has to be some kind of overlap yeah. here. Uh, and, you know, I'm gifted to do a lot of things that don't align with my past, my pain, mm -hmm. yep. and my passion. You know what I'm saying? Right. So doesn't mean I don't use those gifts. It just means I don't lean into them as hard as I do the ones where there's overlap. Love it. That's why it's important to, you know, you're, it, it's, it's, it, you're multiplying. Mm -hmm. You're multiplying the story and activity of God in your life. Yep. You know, the nature, the nurture, your DNA, the way he wired you in your mother's womb to mm -hmm. the events in your life. It's all things working together for good, redeeming your pain, the story of Joseph, propelling mm -hmm. you to your destiny. When all of those things start overlapping and you look back and you see the agenda of God in your life, and that's part of what I tell people, this process is helping you locate the agenda of God in your life. Mm -hmm. He's writing a story with you. Yep. He's writing writing a narrative with you, but most of us don't stop. We're so worried about the future right. that we don't stop to assess the narrative. 
Yeah. What has God been doing? Because he doesn't, he doesn't change subjects, you know, right. he, he doesn't just go on a, you know, he, there is a pattern yeah. in our lives of God's grace and the author is penning a story. And so if we can stop, even if it's not this, right. if we just use something, whether it's going back and reading our journal and asking ourselves, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm trying to help locate the agenda of God in my life because what you've been doing is going to be some indicator of what you're going to do in the mm-hmm. future. And so it's just overlap. What, where does where does the multiplication happen? Because there's overlap in all of those four areas. Yeah. And so then what happens if somebody does this and they find out, man, I've been working on this thing for a long time, but it's not here. I mean, like, just cut it, move on. How do I mean? How do you get yourself out? How do you realign your environment, and your workplace, to be more in line? If you're, with you're, you're some, sometimes you're just, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're stuck. You're yep. assigned to a position that is not in alignment with your vision. Yeah, and that's a hard place to be. So the thing I started doing, we, you know, we had a dream. Um, or I was a youth camp evangelist for years. My wife. Her family was a foster family, and they took kids like me mm-hmm. and loved them. And mm-hmm. she had brothers and sisters that were not biological. So they came at it from one angle, and her mom and dad were – they made their living in the rodeo. They mm-hmm. were professional cowboys wow. and cowboys. She was a barrel racer, a competitive wow. national huh. barrel racer, and her dad was a team roper, and that's wow. how they met. So Haley's a product of the rodeo. And so I grew up in a farming community, and I was the kid that they would have taken in and raised in their home. So when we got married and started traveling, doing youth conventions, youth camps – and I got comfortable, healed up enough to start telling my story of, of surviving sexual abuse and the abandonment of my dad. You know, if there are a thousand kids in the room, 300 of them would respond to the altar because they there was some commonality in our shared experience. And it just didn't seem fair that I, they would that we would stain these concrete floors with their tears and then we move on to, you know, go reach your world night on Thursday sure. night. You know, I'm yeah. like, God, yeah. I gotta have a place yeah. to serve the why can't I have a whole week with this group of kids? Right. And that's where the dream was for a camp. Mm. But there was no way of seeing the, you know, what we now are living. So one practice I've always made, and I would encourage young people, I always do this, is if there's a dream in your heart and you see no way to get from where you are, a dream or a call, mm-hmm. find somebody else that is already walking yep. closely so yeah. good, and invest yeah. in it, yep. whether it's go serve it right. or give mm-hmm. to yeah, it or learn Great from wisdom. it. Invest in that dream, yeah. invest mm-hmm. in that call. And if you get get the opportunity to get close to those people, learn. But even if you never meet mm-hmm. those people, yeah. a $10 seed, a mm-hmm. $10, right now, there is a missionary to China uh, that when, when I was traveling and preaching, he was a student in college, just like yeah. Southeastern, one of our sister schools here. And he came up to me, his name is Stephen, and he said, I, I don't, I don't, I have a call to do what you do, but I know you're passionately pursuing it. I have a call to be in China. And he said, I'm going to support your ministry for $10 a month mm-hmm. as a student. Yeah. It's sowing into your dream wow. in hopes that God will help make my dream come true. So um, this, this, that was 15, 20 years ago. I got word about three years ago that Stephen was a missionary to China. He never even reached out to wow. me. I just remembered the $10 a yes. month. <laughs> and I called out to his missions agency yeah. and I said, how do I support this kid? Right. And yeah. our church came on big time. Yeah, for sure. And he called and said, what is this? And mm-hmm. I said, do you remember that $10 a month? Yep. You, when you, you came up to me in the chapel, he said, I do. I said, I never forgot it. Yeah. And you just, you know, we connected relationally. But you may never connect relationally, but there's this principle. Find somebody that's fulfilling the dream, at least similar to yours, mm-hmm. invest in that, 
And there's just a principle there I think God will honor. Wow. Yep. And I'll take this moment right now. If you're listening to this and this sounds passionate and you want to get more plugged in with Pastor Brian and, and North Place residency program, yes. definitely something you should check out if you're listening to us right now. It's a master's level residency program, two years in Dallas. Where do they go? They can go to um, northplace.org or northplace.com com. forward slash residency. Perfect. And uh, and and we we'd love to have them. Uh, yeah. They are uh, uh, vital. We have 15 residents mm-hmm. in 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 house now um, that we view them. We do not let the word intern be passed out. No. You know, we not that there's not a place we have interns, but these are residents. residents yep. We view yeah. them as staff members. That's correct. And so our goal is to invest in them. And uh, a lot of our staff are former residents. So yep. it's a leadership pipeline for us. But um, there's so many quality people coming out. We can't hire them all. Right. And it's what our goal was to advance their career uh, 10 years, yeah, a decade. And just by building a resume, by serving with us, getting a degree. And we're watching that happen. It's literally happening. Love it. Yeah, that's good. So good. A couple more questions and, and we'll close our incredible conversation out with our fire round. But how do you feel... Um, Traits like empathy and and vulnerability play a role in 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 your leadership as as a pastor. How important is it for ministers and and leaders in the church to be open about their struggles and things that they face? You know, I I, um, I grew up in an era where that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started preaching the late teens, and uh, the generals of the faith were the people that. They held their cards close to their right, chest. Right. Uh, they didn't let you see them sweat. You never knew what they were thinking. They 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 veiled themselves in this perfection. It always felt like as a young leader in their presence, you would never attain to that. They were like statesmen and generals. Mm. Um, and as the world has gone on and you've watched a lot, I got invited behind the scenes into a lot of those guys' life. And I believed the press they were selling. Yeah. And then I got involved in their lives and realized they weren't the men I thought they were. Mm. They were shells of the men I sure, thought they wow. were because they had problems just like the rest yeah. of us did. Right. And it, it almost shattered me. It disillusioned mm. me. And I think what I experienced on a small scale, a generation of young leaders has experienced in mass because yeah. you have so many institutional, whether it's political, governmental, church leaders that have failed right. us. Right. And so I, I, I just decided early on what is going to connect with the people I lead, my kids' generation, is not uh, is not this veil of perfection. They know I'm flawed. Mm-hmm. I might as well admit it. Yeah. Yeah. I might as well let them know that I see it. Mm-hmm. And so um, vulnerability and authenticity, we use a phrase in our culture called boldly broken. Yep. We're boldly broken people. Love it. Yeah. We're not afraid. Um, I believe it was Dan Allender. This is not me. And I believe it was Dan Allender that, that said that we're all made in the image of God. We're all marred by sin, and we're all remade by grace. Mm-hmm. If we can't tell our story, we rob the gospel of its power yeah. Yeah. because we don't get to the being remade by grace yeah. part yeah. if we can't tell yeah, our, our story. story. Right. And I have learned as now an older leader, you know, I'm almost 50, and, and I, I, I've learned now a culture with a lot of early 20-somethings in leadership uh, and a lot of young adults, college-age students in our church um, that they connect more to my stories of failure mm-hmm. than they do my stories of success. Right. And I don't, I don't, I think there's a theology here that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. Yeah. Um, the language that God chose to communicate his love, he could have chosen any language in the world to communicate love. And he chose the language of pain, mm-hmm. a suffering savior 
whose flesh was ripped off his, I mean, till, beaten till he was unrecognizable. And, and this cross and this suffering Savior is the way God said to the world, I love you. He could have chosen any vehicle. But the reason he chose pain is it doesn't matter if you're poor, you're rich, what color, what era of time you're born in, we all understand pain because we're all broken people. And so if God chose the language of pain to communicate his love, I think being vulnerable with our own struggles, you know, what I learned watching those old generals that I grew up with, even the ones that didn't have moral failures and disappoint me died lonely people. Yeah. Because they had to keep themselves at arm's length. Wow. They were afraid of what people would find out if they got too close. And I didn't want to die that way. Mm -hmm. I want to have community. Yeah. I want to have relationship. Yeah. I want to be famous in my own home. Yeah. I, want, I want kids to love me. I want them to love what I do. I want them to love church. I want them to be around. And, and so community was important to me. And the only way to build community is mutual trust. And that yep. comes through mutual confession. Yep. Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. And I do believe a leader can bleed on people. And that's when you cross the line. Is there, you, There's a place of vulnerability, but then there's a place where you overshare mm -hmm. and you start bleeding on people. And and uh, you can't use your leadership position as a therapy couch. Right. You need your counselor and your right. therapist, and you need to be on a path of healing mm -hmm. and can't be using the vocal opportunity as a leader to get your healing. Right. So you can't bleed on people, but there is a value in letting people see your scars and your yeah. wounds. Yeah. Well, and I, that was one of the things I'm curious about is especially with, I feel like, our, the younger generation, this next generation of leadership up, right? We're, they're trying to react so much to those old generals, right? They're trying to hold it all in perfect. So instead, it's, I'm going to be ultra vulnerable. Everybody's going to see everything. 100. In, in fact, the whole idea of holding up a standard's not that big a deal anymore. Just like everybody just be whatever. What, how can we react? How can we find that middle ground? What does it mean to actually have confidence to not be anxious in your leadership, um, even while you're being acknowledging your struggles and your failures? You know, and I think you, you said it, we went from not sharing anything to oversharing. Right. And social media is given, I watched a guy in leadership today, I just happened to see it and he has this ministry and nobody's responding to his ministry. And he said, I'm just going to have a vulnerable moment. Why don't churches... Uh, and, you know, why don't they value what I do? And, and, I, and I thought, does he realize the way that looks? Right. You know, he, he looks like a crybaby. Right. And the reality is if you were meeting a need that people genuinely had, churches would be looking mm -hmm. to you. But he made it all about him. Right. And he made social media his, his therapist couch. And, and I just, he's a young leader. Mm -hmm. And I, if, I, if I knew him a little better, I'd pull him aside. And, I, and so I, I would just say to those of us in the room, it, it, it's, it's the same way as Joseph. He had a genuine dream from God, but he shared it to the wrong people. Wow. He told his brothers. Right. And it created a lot of difficulty in his life. So just because you got a dream in a future and you know it's from God doesn't mean you can just trust anybody That's with it. So great. And I would say the same is true with your pain. Mm -hmm. yeah. Your pain has a purpose. God is going to redeem it. He's going to use it in your life. But not everybody is trustworthy in social media or, mm -hmm. or, or, or just everybody you know is not the safe place to talk about those things. Right. You, you got to have, I'm a verbal processor mm -hmm. and I got to have safe people in my life when I'm wounded sure. or hurt that I can process about that before it makes it to a platform or a podcast or mm -hmm. an article uh, so that I can verbally process. But I have safe places to go for that. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between being vulnerable and bleeding on people yep. is when you're looking for other people to be your sounding board to find wholeness, mm -hmm. then it becomes dangerous. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's wow. huge. That's so good. Well, we want to move into our fire round and just ask you a, a couple of quick questions surrounding kind of everything that we've discussed. Uh, we want to grab a few 
practical and applicable pieces of advice for those that are listening in. So uh, uh, these are going to be quick. So I'll let Michael, you fire the first one away. Awesome. First one. So what's the number one way leaders can navigate times of crisis? I believe crisis is the best time to make a leader. Mm. Um, uh, ask questions. Yeah. Uh, don't overreact. Um, and learn from history. Yeah. Uh, this may not have happened exactly like this before, but somebody has navigated yep. this in the past. And there is a pattern. There is wisdom uh, that others can share. And so don't overreact. Be patient. Learn from history and be calculated, obviously prayerful. I'm not stating the obvious, but be calculated in your assertion. And and I, I just believe it's time to lead. Yeah. Um, Churchill's leadership was defined by crisis. crisis. Yep. And a lot of pastors, and I, I said this to our staff during COVID, I said, our leadership will be defined by this moment. Yeah. Wow. It will be defined by this moment. And so what we decided early on to do is we're going to quit complaining about what we lost. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I know pastors right now that are still caught up in what they lost mm. and they can't get over it. We're going to quit complaining about what we lost and we're just going to start over. Yeah. We're going to thank God we have what we have. We're going to start all over Love today. It. So it's just leading people into a future. Love yeah, it. That's so good. If there's one piece of advice uh, that you would give to your 20 year old self, what would that be? Don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Um, That's good. I, I, I am very, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. I'm mm. wired too, too tight. Yeah. And uh, I probably, I'm so future focused that yeah. I've blown past a lot of roses and didn't stop to smell them. So yeah. if you're wired like me, mm. you're, 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 you're driven and you're entrepreneurial and you're a perfectionist, you're going to wake up one day and be almost 50 like me yeah. and look back at all the roses you didn't stop to smell. So yeah. don't take yourself too seriously. That's there great. That's wow. good. Last question for our time together. What are the keys to transfer transformational leadership in ministry? I think we've talked about some mm -hmm. of those today. Mm -hmm. I think it's having a servant heart, uh, being humble, mm -hmm. um, teachable. And I always yeah. say this to our young leaders. Stay humble and teachable. And what I, one of the ways I say that is stay a novice. I don't care how long you do it. Every time uh, you get up, whether it's to speak or lead, act like it's your first time. Yep. Don't let the new wear off. And stay a novice and stay a learner. And, uh, and then I also tell uh, leaders, learn from your critics. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to take the ounce of truth that is in every criticism we yeah. receive. But the only way I can stay smarter than my critics is to learn from them. They refuse yeah. to learn from me. Sure. But if I learn from them, I'll always stay smarter than my critics. So, wow. And you can only do that if you're humble. And yeah. I think being vulnerable, authentic, yeah. real, servant-hearted um, is the key yep. to transformational leadership. Wow. Love it. That's so good. So good. I don't think we have uh, ever done this on on a podcast, but as as uh, you were sharing just a few minutes ago, I, I don't know. I just discern that there's some people listening uh, right now that are are uh, in the midst of facing a lot of pain and fear. Mm -hmm. And would you just uh, pray a prayer of encouragement right now? Yeah, I, I just think that would be uh, important in this moment. Absolutely. Father, I'm honored to pray at this moment for people that are in my tribe. I may not have the same exact scars, but I do understand heartache. I do understand pain. I understand injustice. Mm. And I just pray today that the words of Jesus would get near to us, that yes. you, were, uh, I want, you said that you were anointed uh, to heal the brokenhearted, Luke 4, 18. Um, the whole point of Isaiah 53, it was to point to a suffering Savior, a man of sorrows acquainted with our grief. 
that the cross wasn't just about sin, but it was about the brokenness, the emotional brokenness in the heart of every person listening right now. You died for that and you rose for that. And, and I pray today that there would be this, the paraclete, the comfort, the Holy Spirit would come into automobiles, dorm rooms, um, hotel rooms. They would come into someone's bedroom right now and just that you would embrace them with the healing arms of a Savior who cares about them. You've never, there's never been a sparrow fall to the ground when you didn't attend its funeral. There's never been a lily wilt when you didn't cradle its fall. As the old spiritual says, Lord, your eye is on the sparrow and I know it watches me. So may we feel your love today, God. May we feel your approval. May we feel your embrace. And may supernatural healing come into a broken heart today just because your love for them ordered into this moment. You ordered them into this moment to be made aware of how much you're pursuing them. Would you let healing come in Jesus' name? Amen. 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 Well, Brian, I want to thank you for joining us today. Powerful, powerful conversation. And uh, just grateful to to have you here. Grateful for your insight. If you want to stay up to date with Brian, you can follow him on Instagram at Dr. Brian Jarrett and on Twitter at Brian Jarrett. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Ingle. And hey, if you love great email newsletters, and I know that I do, you want to check out the Framework Leadership Newsletter. Every single Friday drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop on to there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.